The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, I remember from my childhood the history about a man who never washed one of his ears. He was not a dirty creature, this man. The other year was regularly washed. He did not clean one of his ears because there was a time in his life when he had a very important meeting with a very important person. It was the Cuban dictator Fidel Castro who said to this man some important words and then embraced him and kissed him on the ear. And for this man, the kiss of Fidel Castro in the ear was so important that he tied a piece of cardboard to that ear and never washed it. So he would never wash off that kiss. This, this story sounds strange, but sometimes I remember it when I think about my baptism. I was baptized when I was already adult. Before that time, I looked for a Lutheran church to be baptized in it. For a long time, I traveled to different places in the former Soviet Union. And when I finally was baptized, I too was tempted not to wash my head, so as not to drain the water of baptism from it. Of course, between us, since then, I have washed my head several times. But I remember how great it was for me to be baptized because I knew that baptism brought me forgiveness. 
Through the baptism, God accepted me into his church. Through the baptism, the heavens are opened to me. Last Sunday, the church celebrated the baptism of our Lord. This is an important festival through not, through not everyone understands it. Indeed, for many people around us and even the meaning of their own baptism is not entirely clear. I often meet, for example, people who have been slow to baptize their young children. And some of them do not even want to baptize children because, they say, it will deprive their children of free choice. Have you heard people say this? They say, let a child grow and then decide himself to be baptized or not. Isn't this terrible? After all, in fact, this is our responsibility as parents to make the right choice for our children. We have to feed them and give them tasteless uh, medicines when they are sick. And we decide about school. We make decisions for our children on many things. So why do we say we cannot make a decision for our children on something as important as holy baptism? Why should we want to be baptized and to baptize children? Because baptism saves us. It gives us the forgiveness of sins and brings us into the Church of Christ and opens the heavens to us. Four Gospels gives, give us a lot of details about the baptism of Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, for example, we meet an amazing picture of the incarnate, incarnated and humiliated Christ who came for us men and for our salvation. God became man. How great this good news is. First, indeed, consider, if God wanted to condemn the world, and this would be right because we all are sinners. So, if God wanted to condemn the world, then he would not send his son into the, the world. The fact of the incarnation of Christ shows us the great mercy of God to us, sinful humans. You know, church fathers said, never say that our God is just. If God is just, they said, you are to be burned in hell forever. No, our God is not just. Our God is gracious and merciful. So Christ came not to condemn us, but to open for us the heavens. As we read, read about it in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus had, had been baptized, the heavens were opened. How great it sounds. And the heavens are still opened. In the Gospels, St. John the Baptist said about Christ that he is who is mightier. He is who is a man, the strop of of whose sandals John is not worthy to untie. Christ is who is preferred before him, for he was before him. And today uh, we read in the gospel that Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
I like this great and amazing name of Jesus, the Lamb of God. These four words expressed the main reason for which Christ came into the world. Someone said that when we hear these words, the Lamb of God, we should ring to all the church bells. Of course, St. John is not simply called Jesus the Lamb of God. When naming him the Lamb of God, John had in mind a specific lamb, the Messiah, of whom the prophecy recorded in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. Remember, it is said about how the Messiah, that he is to suffer for the sins of people and die for them. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The uh, chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was uh, oppressed and he was afflicted. Uh, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its sharers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And so St. John announced, pointing on Jesus, the very lamp of God from the ancient prophecy of Isaiah came to save you, the very Savior who was promised to you. St. John pointed on Jesus, and the disciples saw him and followed him. But what about us? How can we find Jesus? Where can we find this Jesus now? In fact, this is a very important question, and indeed, I will say that this is the most important question of our life. Where can we find God? You know, many people can answer in a banal way that God is everywhere and so on, etc. Just ask them where to find God, they will say, well, God is everywhere. One of friends of mine, when he feels that he wants to pray, he is going to a forest. If God is everywhere, why not to pray in a forest? God is everywhere. In part, this phrase is right. God is everywhere in the sense that we can't hide, his, hide our sins from him. But that, that is what we have to understand. God is everywhere, but not is, is everywhere is he present in a salutary way for us. And where is God present in a salutary way for us? 2,000 years ago, Jesus was standing next to John the Baptist, and he pointed to him and said, this is the Lamb of God. Where are we now to find this Lamb? Or here it is another example. Recently, I, I, I talked to a lady who said 
that she feels that God wants her to become a priest. She feels. A lot of people say that they feel. They feel God, they feel the presence of God. And it sounded very pious. But it is only a deception. If we feel something, this does not mean that God is there. You know, I remember that one of our seminary professors once said, I like coffee. If I drink coffee, I feel very comfortable. If I do not drink coffee, I feel bad. So if my feelings are dependent on coffee, I should not base my faith on them. Do you follow me? Of course, abstractly speaking, God is present everywhere. But not everywhere is God present in a solitary way for us. Forgiveness and everlasting life we receive from him exactly where he has promised to give it. God has set for us a meeting place where he promised to come to us. This is place this place is a church and an altar. You know, the church fathers uh, spoke about this in such a way. Why do we preach the gospel? To lead people to baptism. Why do we baptize? To lead people to holy communion. Why do we take communion? But this question, church fathers said, is not right because Holy Communion is not a means but a goal, a goal, the goal of our Christian life. Do you follow me? It means that without Holy Communion, our baptism has no sense, no reason. We were baptized to receive Holy Communion. The goal of our Christian life is to be with God. You meet him in the meeting place that he has appointed for us. That meeting place is church. The main miracle which takes place in the world right now, the Eucharist, is. And in many liturgical orders, including our Russian one, the priest, when he shows the chalice and body of Christ to people, then he says, this is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That is to say, look, the same Christ who had been pro prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, on whom John the Baptist pointed, who died for us and rose again from the dead. Now he is here among us to save us. You receive him and he will be with you and in you. In the church, uh, Christ is so close to us that can't be closer. Here we really can touch God. And just imagine that if Christ died for us, but then was not resurrected, or resurrected but then disappeared from us, we at least would have been the most uh, despised of all people. We would go around the whole earth in search of salvation, and will not have found it. We will not, we will not find salvation if the Lord doesn't institute the Eucharist. God is with us, brothers and sisters. He came to this earth to dwell among us. Christ loved us so much that he 
has been sacrificed for us as Lamb of God. When we commune with Christ, we accept his death and his life. We accept his love and his service to us. When we commune with Christ, we gain salvation. When we commune with Christ, we are emboldened in our faith. When we commune with Christ, we jump out of the slavery of sins for freedom of the sons of God. This means that the heavens are opened, and all gates of hell and death are not fearful for us anymore. And the church on earth and in heaven rejoices now, glorifying the Son of God. It is true that we should ring all the bells. The Cuban man of which I started my sermon did not, did not wash one of his ears because by this way he tried to preserve the memory of the most important event in his life. And how should we preserve the memory of our baptism? We live in our baptism if we are in church, if we are here when Christ appointed a meeting place for us. Here he is waiting for us. Here he forgives our sins. Here he gives us of himself as food. The festival of the baptism of Christ already ended. Festivals are always ended. But God is with us, and he will be with us, and we will not die. We will live forever. Amen.